You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. doesn't mean we cut off all contact with a brother or son, a daughter or a spouse. I hope you understand that. Or even sometimes a close friend. But it's, we can't allow any family member or close friend to lead us astray. And we must be willing to suffer whatever the consequences are for taking the stand. We don't need to do it arrogantly, self-righteously, but we do need to take the stand. Don't let them influence you. Don't let them influence us. Don't be led astray from the Lord by people within your life. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches you to be careful about those you allow to speak into your life. Not everyone is going to lead you to a closer relationship with the Lord. Sometimes those that love you the most can actually lead you away from the Lord. Pastor Danny reminds you that if this happens, stand firm in your walk with the Lord. Live your life for Him and Him alone. Trust that He'll work things out in time. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 13 as he continues his message, putting to death relationships that lead us astray. trying to get him they're trying to they're mockingly saying this but they're trying to get him to to go just go just go but if he goes it's out of the will of God therefore Jesus told them the right time for me has not yet come for you any time is right because they don't have the Holy Spirit they're not being led of the Lord for you any time is right the world cannot hate you but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil you go to the feast I'm not yet going up to this feast because for me the right time has not yet come And the point of reading that, hopefully you got it, Jesus did not let even his own earthly brothers influence his decisions. He didn't allow them to. He didn't allow that pressure. And listen, it it was pressure. Even though he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's still fully human. He didn't allow his brothers to influence him, to go a direction, to take a step, that was not in the will of God. When I was in high school, my closest friend at the time, Randy Truitt, introduced his older, older brother, Ricky, to drugs. At the time, Ricky was what we would call a redneck where I come from. And technically, I wasn't a redneck where I, where I grew up. I, I make jokes sometimes, call myself a redneck, but technically, the rednecks hung out at a, a, a place called the Rainbow Drive-In. They listened to a different music, mostly Country, and now we call it what? Country and, used to be called country and western. Now I think you just call it country. I don't think it's politically correct to call it country and western, is it? Thank you. And I didn't call it that. I asked a question. But we listened to, you know, rock and roll and Black Sabbath and those kind of things. And, and it was just two different groups, two different groups. 
Every now and then we'd drive around the rainbow just to see what was happening and look at the guns in the back of the pickups. And uh, every now and then somebody from the rainbow would drive around Roost Drive-In. Roost Drive-In is where I hung out. Well, Randy was a Roost Drive-In guy, but he kind of mixed in with both. And his brother Ricky was a rainbow drive-in guy, totally. And his thing was drinking beer, drinking liquor, and listening to country music. And Randy introduced his older brother to drugs, the kind of drugs that we were doing at the time. Ricky, a few years later, took his own life. One of the saddest things. I still have trouble with that because I feel like I was a part of leading him down a wrong path. Thank God for grace. Thank God for forgiveness. Two years ago, Randy died. He was addicted to crystal meth. He was dealing crystal meth. His wife died about a year before him. She also an addict. I'll tell you that sad story because had I not severed my relationship with Randy when I became a Christian, who knows? Who knows? Who knows where I'd be? A brother, family member, a spouse. Here's what the Bible tells us about Solomon. As Solomon grew old, 1 Kings 11, verse 4, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Lot, the story of Lot, and we're not going to turn to the story. I I, I don't want to assume everybody knows it, but Lot, Abraham's nephew, they left on their journey of faith together, and as God blessed them, they had to part company because there was quarreling over Lot's servants, by Lot's servants and Abraham's servants. And Abraham, if you know the story, said, Lot, you just choose which way you're going to go and I'll go the other way. And Lot looked and he chose where the grass was greener, down towards Sodom. And if you follow the story very carefully, first, Lot is pinching his tent by Sodom. But then you continue to read the story and then Lot ended up living in Sodom and Lot actually became a leader in Sodom. It doesn't tell us, but I think it's likely. I think it's likely that Lot married someone from Sodom. No, I don't know that. I don't know that. It doesn't tell us where Lot got his wife. But we do know that when God sent the angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham, of course, interceded and said, God, you know, you won't destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? And God said, of course not, you know, and and got down to 10. If I find 10 righteous people there, I won't destroy it. Well, there wasn't 10. There was Lot, Lot. And even his immediate family, his wife, his wife, when, when they're running, when they're running from Sodom to escape the judgment, the specific, specific direction was, and don't look back. And Lot's wife looked back, and God turned her into a pillar of salt. Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife, I don't believe I'm reading into it. I I think she was a bad influence on him. She could have been the one that actually drew him to Sodom. She didn't want to leave Sodom because she either came from there or her heart was tied to Sodom. Remember Lot's wife. And then 1 Kings 21, 25, most wicked king we know of in the Bible in the Old Testament, King Ahab, King Ahab. And it says here, 1 Kings 21, 25, there was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And here's the next line, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. 
And then, of course, you got the story of Job. <laughs> and Job, you know, every time I tell it, I got I to gotta think, you know, Job got to be thinking, you know, his kids died all in one day. Uh, you know, basically everything he had ruined. And the only thing he's got left now at that point is a wife. But Job's got to be thinking, Lord, I wish you'd just taken her too. Because she says, she says, Job chapter 2, verse 9, his wife said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. What an influence. Go ahead, just curse God. Just curse him. He allowed this to happen to you. He allowed this to happen to us. Just curse him. That's a godly influence, isn't it? Curse him and die. And of course, Job said, you're talking like a foolish woman. But Job's spouse, looking to influence him to do something that's totally evil. Go ahead and curse God and die. I got to move on, but listen. Anybody single here tonight? Anybody, come on. Are you single? Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Now, I don't know if God has a spouse in your future. You know, maybe you had a spouse in the past and you, and you don't want to go back there, but you'd like something a little better in the future, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know your story. But if it's in the will of God for you to get married, you make sure you marry somebody who knows the Lord. And not just knows the Lord, somebody who loves this book. Because if you don't marry somebody that loves the Lord and loves his word, my wife, one of the greatest lines she ever wrote in a counseling situation, she wrote it to a, a lady in our church that was going through some stuff, and, and greatest line, I'll never forget it, better to be single and lonely than married and miserable. Isn't that a great line? Better to be single and lonely than married and miserable. Don't you marry somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Don't marry somebody, just go to church with you. A lot of people go to church with you. They'll talk to Christianese and, you know, they say all the right things outwardly, but then you, then you marry them and it's like, well, where did you come from? <laughs> one more on this one and then we'll do the last part of the passage. Son, daughter, brother, closest spouse, closest friend, closest friend. Matthew 16, real quick, Matthew 16 Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the Thursday be raised to life. Peter took him aside. <laughs> Don't you love Peter? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Began to rebuke him. Never, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And of course, Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But this is one of Jesus' closest. Not just a disciple, not just an apostle. Jesus said to these guys, I, I call you friends. I call you friends. And, and Peter is trying to influence Jesus to bypass the cross. What if Jesus, now I know this is ludicrous, but what if Jesus would have said, you know what, Peter, you're right. Enough talk of this suffering. Enough talk of, enough talk of this, you know, don't they know who I am? Let's show them who I really am. But Jesus took a stand and no doubt embarrassed Peter terribly, embarrassed him. But Jesus took a stand. You are a stumbling block to me. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you don't have in mind the things of God. I will not go the path you suggest. I'm going the path my father has laid out. No matter what you think, no matter what you say. Now, doesn't mean we cut off all contact with a brother or son, a daughter or a spouse. I hope you understand that. Or even sometimes a 
close friend, but it's, we can't allow any family member or close friend to lead us astray. And we must be willing to suffer whatever the consequences are for taking the stand. We don't need to do it arrogantly, self-righteously, but we do need to take the stand. Don't let them influence you. Don't let them influence us. Here's what Jesus said. Don't suppose I've come to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace. In his second coming, he's coming to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Strong words. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus said. Now we go to the third. Back in Deuteronomy, chapter 13, and verse 12. If you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, that wicked men have arisen among you and have led the people of their town astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods you've not known, then you must inquire, probe and investigate it thoroughly. And if it's true, and it has been proved that this detestable thing has been done among you, you must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town, destroy it completely, both its people and its livestock. Gather all the plunder of the town into the middle of the public square, completely burn the town and all its plunder as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It is to remain a ruin forever, never to be rebuilt. None of those condemned things shall be found in your hands so that the Lord will turn from his fierce anger. He will show you mercy, have compassion on you, and increase your numbers as he promised on oath to your forefathers because you obey the Lord your God, keeping all his commands that I'm giving you today and doing what is right in his eyes. I call this community deception. Community deception. Here's one good definition of a community. It's a social unit of any size that shares common values. Paul the apostle said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. When I was just turning to be a teenager, I got invited to uh, play in a little band. We were a three-man band, lead guitar, bass, drums, and uh, played a lot of Black Sabbath, played Grand Funk Railroad. And then we learned we had to learn some other songs too because we got invited to play at these birthday parties. And people wanted to hear music more that you could dance to, you know. And so we learned some other songs. And, and then people would always come up to and say, hey, man, can you play Wipeout? I was the drummer, you know. Can you play Wipeout? And, and we played Wipeout, you know. And dreams of being a rock star in those days. And I started meeting some people at these birthday parties and other gigs that we play at, and uh, they didn't go to the Christian elementary school that I went to, and I'm just about to head toward middle school, and I convinced my mother that I should go to the public middle school because that's where all my new friends were. I also got invited to a church group that was away from my church group. It was Methodist Youth Fellowship, and I don't... not saying every Methodist Youth Fellowship is like this one was, but this one was absolutely liberal. The only rule on our first uh, trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina was no hard liquor. That was the rule. You have all the beer you want, but no hard liquor. We had the hard liquor anyway, we just hit it. And that was the beginning of my downward slide that ultimately led me to become a drug addict. And it all started with moving from this group of people to this group of people. And that's how it happens. Bad company corrupts good character. One of the things my wife and I, as we 
several years ago now, drove over to Orlando and my son drove over there, our oldest, and he's gonna start his first year at University of Central Florida. That's a big time as a parent, you know, because it's your first child moving away, you know, it's a big deal. And we cried on the way back home and all, but we sat our son down, we sat Tanner down, and some of the advice we gave him was this, Tanner, you need to right away, when you get settled in, and you, you find out what ministries there are on campus, and you get involved with a good ministry, and you find a good church, and you get involved with other believers on campus and off campus. You know what? He did both of those things. He, I mean, yeah, there was like priorities. We were so proud of him. He got involved with Campus Crusade, now called Crew, became, uh, ultimately became a drummer uh, for their worship team there on campus. Uh, got to do some other things in ministry because of that. And he got involved in a local church that really stood for truth. And it was a smaller church and he got very involved and ended up becoming the volunteer middle school leader in that church. We're so proud of him. We're so proud of him. Now he's married. He and his wife gave us our first grandchild. And uh, they'll be here in just a few weeks when my third son gets married next month. And uh, can't wait can't wait. Uh, but he followed that advice and he stayed as he left this community of believers, you know, where he was really living for the Lord. And then he moved to Orlando. He made some wise decisions. He took some good advice and he got involved in a community of believers. And if he had not, I guarantee you, I guarantee you the temptation to be led astray would have been far greater, would have been far greater. But he got involved with a community of believers who loved the Lord like he did. We're so proud of him. I'll move on because I'm gonna cry. And I gotta finish anyway. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll live with them, walk among them, and I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Again, doesn't mean we don't have friends that are unsaved. We, gotta have, we need to have friends that are unsaved and people you contact, but those, those aren't the people that have the same values we have. They don't serve the same God we do. So we gotta, we gotta have our main closest associates, other believers who really know and love the Lord. 8-11, I gotta finish up. Now, this is community deception. And there are groups, I hope you understand, there are groups in the church they're not living for the Lord. Jude, verse 12, and Jude says, there are shepherds among you and they feed only themselves. They feed only themselves. In Numbers 11 in the Old Testament, the, the children of Israel, the rabble with them began to crave other food and they were the first ones to complain about just having the manna, which is Christ. And they wanted the food of Egypt. Well, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. And there are people in the church and uh, there are groups, and that's not who you want to hang out with. That's not. There are groups that distort the truth. Paul wrote in Acts 20, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. So it's not an absolute denial of Christ or denial of the gospel, but it's a, it's a distorting the truth. And thank God I don't have time to get into some of those that we've had to deal with over the years. One not far from here called Hallelujah Acres. And, uh, and I, some people in our fellowship actually are for Hallelujah Acres. And if you're going to go there and they got a special diet thing and they, they got these miraculous stories of how people have been healed through the diet, but the diet is based on their teaching that God never intended man to eat meat. That is not the truth. 
So even though miracles are happening and people may be being healed, the teaching, the, what they're teaching is not based on truth. Don't get me started on this one. Uh, but my goodness, all, my goodness, it's just so obvious. First Timothy, all foods, you know, everything be received with thanksgiving. Mark seven nineteen, Jesus declared all foods clean. Romans 14 repeats that, all food is clean. And if, if God never intended for man to eat meat, why would Jesus eat the Passover? You ever think about that? If God never intended man to eat meat, then Jesus violated that. He ate fish, he ate lamb at the Passover. That's all I have to say about that. There are groups that will introduce new truth. Anybody, any group that says, we got new truth. Nobody else has seen this. No. Jude says, I was going to write to you about the common faith we have, but I felt led to write and contend for the faith once for all, once for all entrusted to the saints. There is nothing new to add to what God gave the apostles. Are you with me? Nothing new to add to the new covenant. Anybody comes along and says, I got some new truth for you. No, no, no. No. Not going to listen. Don't even want to talk. What's the purpose? Unless they're open to hearing the truth. But these kind of people, they're not open to hearing the truth. They got the new truth. And then there are groups of people that will lead us in a rebellion against God-ordained authority. What an amazing thing in number 16 that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram could lead 250 members of the council, well-known community leaders, against God's man, Moses, and Aaron. Amazing. 8.14. I hope you understand there are more ministers of deceit than there are ministers of truth, and I wish that wasn't the case, but that's the truth. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. There are more followers of deception than followers of truth. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Not because it's easy to miss, because of the powerful deception that they follow. Now, I want to close with this. I'll just tell you that John chapter 3, a guy named Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he goes at night because he doesn't want his peers to know. He's becoming a believer. He, he even says to the Lord, we know nobody could do the things you do unless you were sent from God. And of course, Jesus goes right for the juggler with Nicodemus. And what does he say? Nicodemus, you must, man must be born again. Unless he's born again, I'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, religious leader, religious teacher of the day, but he wasn't born again. Well, he's moving, being convinced by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He makes his first stand for Jesus, recorded in John chapter 7. And verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? And they replied, these are his peers, are you from Galilee too? That's like saying, are you a redneck too? Look into it and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Well, they were wrong. That's where Jonah came from. And then as you get to the end of the gospel of John, you find Nicodemus after Jesus died on the cross. Nicodemus partnering, partnering with a guy named Joseph of Arimathea and they come to Pilate and they ask for permission to take Jesus' body and they take Jesus' body and they bury Jesus in Joseph's own tomb, a rich man's tomb. But notice, and I want you to get this as I close, Nicodemus, he took a stand before those people. It cost him, it cost him. They said, are you from Galilee too? And he said, okay, I'm gonna partner with true believers. Jesus said, Matthew 15, 14, leave them. They're blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. 
they'll fall into the pit. Let's, well, Lord, just help us. Help us. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Deuteronomy. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book. Deuteronomy was written at an interesting time in the Israelites' history. They were ending their time of wandering in the wilderness, and they were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land that they'd anticipated for years. God's promises included in the book of Deuteronomy were a reminder to the people then and are a refresher for us too, that God wants us to be faithful to Him. When your loyalty lies with God, then He's freed up to bless you richly in the way that you go. Do you want or care about God's blessing? If you'd like to hear more about this from Pastor Danny's teachings in Deuteronomy, or if you'd like to explore other series from the Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. Simply go to the Resources tab and click on the Teachings link. While you're browsing our website, you can also learn more about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Join us next time for more from Deuteronomy. Pastor Danny will continue to bring this book to life and help you grow in your understanding right here on The Living Word.